Welcome to the third season of The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, founder and host of this podcast. I created The Brand is Female so that women from all backgrounds would share their journey to unlocking their own potential, to inspire and empower others. Today, my guest is Salima Vishram, founder of Samra, a brand of vegan leather goods based in Toronto, founded in 2017. Made of 100% cruelty-free materials, Samra is a spin-off to Salima's first business venture, Solar Backpack, which she created with the goal of providing solar battery backpacks to children in East Africa so that they could do their homework at night without needing access to kerosene, an expense their families can't always afford. Originally from Kenya herself, Salima has always had the goal of doing her part to making our world better through her business ideas. This season of The Brand is Female is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. TD is proud to support women entrepreneurs and help them achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship opportunities. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. Now, here's my conversation with Selima, which we recorded at home, our favorite meditation studio in downtown Toronto. It's been great watching um, your brand grow. Uh, before we talk about what's happening with the brand and the company now, I want to go back in time a little bit and start at the beginning. So Selima, growing up, tell me about um, what you were dreaming of becoming later in life. And did you ever think at that time that you'd be an entrepreneur one day? Uh, so I grew up in Kenya. Um, I was I lived there until I was 17 it's still home for me and when before I started Samara um, I went to school at McGill and I was studying international development and management and really thought that I wanted to use my education to create some sort of impact in the world when I was growing up in Kenya I noticed how a lot of kids my age were not able to do their homework every night and they couldn't get access to secondary education they couldn't make it into university simply because they didn't have access to light mm-hmm. And it was really devastating because most families living under a dollar a day all around the world um, use kerosene as their only source of light after dusk, Mm. and 1.2 billion people rely on it as their only source of light. And so I decided I wanted to do something about this, Um, and during my time at McGill, I was like, I think I can somewhat make a difference, and I came up with the idea of a solar-powered pen, Mm -hmm. which was, I spoke to one engineer, and he thought that it was the worst idea ever, (laughs) and so I started... Why why is that? Why why wasn't it... I think just the logistics of it, like it wouldn't get enough energy, it wouldn't have direct sunlight on it, and so I felt a little deflated, went back to the drawing board, and then came up with the idea of a solar-powered backpack, Mm. and so I spent my last year, um, convinced my professors to let me take or let me develop this backpack in ter- in, instead of taking regular classes and they all agreed so I spent my entire last year just working on this um, we ran a crowdfunding campaign to get the first round of funding in place and we distributed these backpacks across Kenya Uganda Tanzania um, it went really well we so the way it works is a child would carry to school during the day mm-hmm. um, it charges during their walk to school and when they get home every night they can do their homework without the use of kerosene mm-hmm. and so kids are now able to study for three to four hours longer every night parents are saving 25% of their income Right. and yeah so Lupita Nyong'o came on board and we distributed these backpacks with her we worked with Disney um, and yeah, until two years ago, I was working on this full time. Mm. Um, so two years after I graduated as well, 
And I really realized that it was really hard to keep it going um, as a not-for-profit. Mm, okay. And a lot of people love the story, but a lot of people were not willing to buy the product mm -hmm. in North America. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, I was like, okay, I could go look for a job or I could keep working on this or trying to make something work. And it just so happened that at the same time, I was looking for a handbag that... Um, that I liked and I couldn't find one. Mm -hmm. I wanted something simple and elegant and minimalist. And it was just so hard to find. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to spend $400 or $500 on it. And so I just asked our backpack supplier to manufacture one based on that one that I designed. Okay. And I started carrying it around. I wore it to a conference. And at that conference in October 2017, like four people asked me where I got the bag from. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. And so I put $500 of my savings into creating 10 bags to start and put it online. And within a day, they had all sold out. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that it could be a cool way to still fund solar through this. Right. So our goal with Samara when we first started was to keep going um, and really position ourselves as a fashion brand um, that stands to create impact. Mm -hmm. And that's through sustainable materials through efficient supply chains and really lean supply chains as well mm -hmm. um using good factories using materials that are entirely sustainable if possible um and then lighting up the world through the solar backpack mm -hmm. i love that and how has your experience been working on the new samurai venture um what's different from when you were working for just a backpack initiative which is more of a not-for-profit model mm -hmm. at least at the at the start of it um i think what i realized a lot is that people love good products mm -hmm. um and so as soon as we put this out this product out people were buying it and mm -hmm. we couldn't keep up with orders and i think what that really taught me was that when you build people build things that people need and want, then it's really easy to run a business. Mm -hmm. Whereas with solar, it was a great story. Yeah. And it's I think it's very needed and the world needs to care about things like that. But there's other channels to allow that funding to go there rather right. than specifically just publicizing the solar backpack. Mm. Um, who would you have any role models or did somebody inspire you first with the you know the project around the solar backpack now with having your own uh handbag company was was there somebody an entrepreneur around you or somebody just in you know in society that you kind of drew inspiration from i think it's definitely my family um my grandfather grew up in poverty he was a grade seven dropout um in kenya and he just built he he learned how to educate himself. He mm. taught himself English from the English dictionary. Wow. And was able to grow a small piece of land into a 600-bedroom hotel oh my God. in Kenya. Wow. Um, and my dad, too, kind of mm. took it over and made it even greater. Mm -hmm. And my mom was also someone who just really taught me that there is a way to do business but also create impact at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think my whole family is my role model, specifically in the sense that, yeah, I think just you can, you can make a profit and you can do good. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think businesses have so much power to create change in the world. And um, brands have so much power to create change in the world. And it is our responsibility to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I actually lost my mom um, a few months before I started Samara. Mm -hmm. And Samara was born out of, just me wanting to take all the things she taught me and mm -hmm. the energy that 
she brought into the world and the energy that I had after she passed away and turning it into something beautiful that embodied the simplicity that she lived her life through. Mm, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so when you started the, the handbag company and I'm assuming the experience of building that brand compared to running more of a not-for-profit model around uh, the backpack, um, what was it like trying to establish your credibility you know, going to uh, negotiate with business partners, with suppliers, with bankers, and so on. Yeah. Did was that a difficult process, and how was how were you and your business idea received? So when we first started, um, even getting a credit card was really hard, um, because we didn't really have any sales coming in at the time. Mm. It was just a blank slate. Yeah. Um, and now it's it's been so different because when we first approached our supplier, we wanted to start with a production run of 20 bags or 10 bags. And now we've scaled up to like 70,000 bags and 80,000 bags. Wow. And so I think the people who took that chance on us right at the beginning, we're so grateful to them uh, because, yeah, it's just been so different to see the growth trajectory from the not-for-profit standpoint when mm -hmm. we were doing the backpacks um, as opposed to this where I think we're really building a community of women who really or our designs really resonate with and mm -hmm. who really care about um, ethical sustainable fashion mm-hmm mm -hmm. um, what type of leader are you and how do you approach leadership and I know you're still building your team but yeah. you know even with initiative you were already leading and now with the handbag company what and and I'm I know that culture and values are very important to mm -hmm. the uh really the credo of your business but when it comes to leadership how would you describe your style um I don't know if I have a word for this but I think it would be just enabling people to do what they want and I really feel like when we're working when I'm working with people I encourage them to just if they have an idea to pursue it mm -hmm. and sometimes I don't always know what's right and I love it when people on the team or people approach us um, who are working with us say I think this could work mm -hmm. and my answer is always like let's try it right um, and I love it when people take take extreme ownership of it because I I think that the best way to build it is if everyone really feels like it's their baby too. Mm -hmm. And so enabling people to understand that it's not my company and it's our company, and really giving them the platform to do the things that they think would work too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure what the right word for that is, but it's definitely just enabling them to feel ownership over it and execute in a way that they feel is also right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you weren't running Samara today, mm -hmm. you know, and then being an entrepreneur and the, the founder of the company, what would you be doing? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I think I, being a founder it has really taught me personally the importance of wellness. Mm -hmm. And I think um, what I would love to do is, even after I'm done with Samara, is probably to get into wellness and meditation retreats mm -hmm. um, in communities that uh, we can really impact too. Um, and working with founders who obviously get really burnt out, get really stressed, and re lead really stressful lives mm -hmm. to bring back that balance because I know that it's needed in my life and I hope that we're able to impact people in that way later on. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
And is there a book that you read at any point and that kind of marked you or influenced you? It could be a business book, could be fiction, maybe something you find yourself going back to regularly. Yeah, there's definitely, there's two of them that I love. Um, one is Girl Boss by mm-hmm. Sofia Maruso. Yeah. Um, I just love how I think you can totally see that the relentless pursuit of what you want mm-hmm. is what will get you there. And Delivering Happiness by the founder of Zappos. Mm-hmm. Um just to see his journey and the challenges he faced, but how the main goal for them was just to make their customers happy mm-hmm. and how that led to their success. Mm-hmm. Um, you're obviously, you know, a busy entrepreneur and, you know, having all, all the, those projects going on. What are some habits that are important to you to stay grounded? And I'm not going to talk about trying to achieve balance because <laughs> and you and I were on a panel uh, uh, together recently. We talked about how the concept of balance is kind of imposed on women and something that's really hard to achieve. Um, but in terms of staying grounded, and you talked about the importance of wellness and mindfulness, um, what are some of those key habits for you? Um, I think for me, I definitely try and meditate for at least 10 or 15 minutes before I go to bed every night. Mm-hmm. And that really clears my head and allows me to have a good night's sleep because yeah. I feel like my mind is always racing at really high speeds. And, and, t- I need and to- tell me about that meditation practice. So is it something you do, like do you have an area where you like to sit to do I it? Or don't. is it in bed? Um, so I love rubbing like some essential oils on my wrist or behind my neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just sit up in bed um, with the lights off for 15 minutes, 10 mm-hmm. minutes, and just try and really block all my thoughts and just sit in stillness for a bit um, before I sleep. Um, the other thing that I love to make time for is cooking because okay. I think that it's so easy to, it kind of hits two birds with one stone because it's so easy to just be on the ro- be on, like, just be on the roll and order in or just keep eating stuff that's not healthy mm-hmm. for your body and I find cooking really therapeutic and I love baking too so I try and make time for that wherever I can. <laughs> This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group, women and entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners that can provide education, financing, mentoring, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship opportunities, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. Now, let's go back to my conversation with Salima. So I want to ask you about social media, and social media is um, obviously a tool that is super important you know whenever we're running brands today and communicating about a company or product or service you have a high following on social media as well which is great um, but it's also finding that balance between um, what you as a person share on social media today. yeah it's something that I actually really actively think about um, in terms of how far do you want to dive with social media mm-hmm. um, I do have a personal account and I don't really post that much about it, but I've, so it's funny because a few months ago, um, I met a few people and they were like, oh, it's just like you and one more person running Samara Bags and you're working with your sister. And when you look at it online, it seems like there's a whole team of people. 
And that's when I realized that people need to know the brand and people mm. need to know like the stories and what goes on in the day to day. And in the last few months, I've tried to um, put myself out there a little more, which I've found really hard to do because I'm usually more of a bit of a private person. Right. Um, but I've really noticed how it's really resonating with some people. And it's re- we get messages like, oh, I, I love this story or... Um, I, I love what you shared today and it really helped me or I loved your advice on this or I loved how you approached this. And that really has shown me that in order to really connect with people, I think you need to put yourself out there and you need to tell your stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out the right balance because personally, I, I'm not the type of person to share um, it, what I'm eating or right every where, little where moment of your day yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. I'm trying to find the balance of being or bringing value to people's lives and hopefully allowing people to learn from the challenges that we've had and mm-hmm. how we've overcome them um but also growing the brand in an authentic way that's mm-hmm. it's really like three or four people behind the brand that are working tirelessly to build these products and really make sure our customers are happy Mm. and we're not a big brand that just cares about selling people products and I really want that to come through and in 2020 that's like one of my biggest goals to make sure that we're able to build a community around that Mm. so personally I I still have my personal Instagram but I think we are going to start making a few more appearances on um the Samara Instagram just (laughs) to show that just to show our day-to-day and yeah. where we're working. What's your definition of success today? And if I had asked you the same question a few years ago, would the answer have been different? I think a few years ago, my definition of success was just to create impact in the world um, and in, in terms of alleviating poverty. Um, and now my definition of success is really to build a sustainable business um, and a sustainable brand mm-hmm. that... Because I think when you have that, you have the power to do good with it. Mm -hmm. And so my goal right now is to build a platform and a brand that really stands to create impact. That is a fashion brand. Um, Fashion is like the second most polluting industry in the world. And we really want to change that. Mm -hmm. And bring people products that do good, that are good, and that are high fashion, Mm -hmm. um, not compromising anything from looking good to feeling good and and also being made well mm-hmm. and i want to ask you that about i want to ask you about the bag specifically so that's a good segue mm-hmm. and because now there's a lot of talk around vegan leather mm-hmm. and the negative impact can have on the environment for, for sure. some of it that is made uh you know from uh, plastic or other materials that um are not so earth friendly yeah um what is what is your philosophy for creating product what kind of materials are you using and i know about some uh innovations that are that are coming (laughs) up which are really exciting but tell me about the product specifically so when we first started um the reason i decided to create a vegan leather bag was because i simply just didn't want cow's leather i didn't want to be carrying cow's leather um on me wherever i went Mm -hmm. and i think when I think leather has become something that no one really thinks about yeah. what it is. Yeah. But when you actually think about it, it's it's not very nice. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, might as well make it out of vegan leather. And then I started researching about it and noticed that most vegan leather is made from PVC. Mm-hmm. PVC is extremely environmentally detrimental. Mm-hmm. And it releases so much, so many toxic fumes. And it's like just the production process is really, uh, just really harmful mm-hmm. to the environment. Um. PU is slightly better. Um, it's 
production process is less is much less aggressive. Okay. Um, and then there's microfiber, which is made in a way that's I mean, you can you you can make water-based PU, you can make water-based microfiber, and so mm-hmm. there's not much plastic or petroleum going into it when it's being created. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think that most vegan leather in the market today is PVC. Yeah, we've never used PVC. Um, we try to use microfiber, and and we use PU for all our bags. Um, but more recently, I was like, there's definitely more that needs to be done in this space, and so. We started working, um, I started experimenting in my kitchen with things like pineapple leather or coconut leather, but they just... So, tell me about how that works. Like pineapple leather is literally the skin of pineapple. Yeah, so with them, with pineapple leather, we use Pinatex, okay. which is um, a material that is made in Europe, mm-hmm. and they just use the pineapple leaves mm-hmm. to kind of create this material. And so we tried to make bags out of that, but that's the thing with all these plant-based and sustainable materials is that you're compromising your like how it looks right for the sustainable aspect mm-hmm. and we don't believe that you have to do that mm-hmm. and so I we, we weren't happy with the way it looked we tried coconut we weren't happy with that and so I was like there has to be something better here mm. and then we found out we found luck with apple leather um so apple leather is made as a waste byproduct of the juicing industry. Okay. And so when all the apples are kind of squished to make the juice, yeah. um, the, the what's left is, yeah. turn, is dehydrated, turned into powder, and mm-hmm. then mixed with a tiny bit of PU as a binding agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes sure that it's not completely, like it's not, it's not going to biodegrade right. in a year. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not going to um, be damaged or it's not going to tear. Um, and it looks exactly like leather. Mm-hmm. You can't tell that it's not. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited to just turn our entire collection into that. We've mm-hmm. made a few bags already. And by 2020, our goal is to create and like replace our entire collection with apple leather. And we're also experimenting with other materials like recycled ocean trash. And so in February, right. we're, we're releasing a bag made out of that. Um, and yeah, we're, we're really excited to be growing, growing our collection. Um, working with materials that are designer quality, mm-hmm. um, but just don't harm any living thing in the process. Mm-hmm. Best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the hardest obstacle, the hardest thing you faced, if you had to pick just one, since you launched a business? Um, so last year, I was, last year was our first year in business. Um, and after July, I stopped taking a salary and I said, I'm going to put, keep everything in the business and like work so that we're able to place a huge inventory order for Black Friday and just for holiday season because mm-hmm. people were really wanting our products. And so we took all our pre-orders, we um, placed orders with our factory and placed, it was the largest order that we ever placed. And uh, during shipment from factory to us, the box went missing mm-hmm. and every we lost all the bags that we had ordered. Um, that was a really challenging time because we we didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was like a month to Black Friday. We had taken pre-orders. Um, and yeah, that, it was a really challenging time. At that point, I was like, we could just return or take a loan to return people's money. Right. Or we could keep going. I don't know why I decided to keep going. Um, <laughs> but 
I'm glad I did, but it was definitely very hard. So what did you do? Did you find yeah, a way so to we, make the bags again and yeah, so doubled we, up on the order? The good thing is that we have really good relationships with our factories, mm-hmm. um, and we convinced them to like double down on staff and work like really hard on just giving us products mm-hmm. in a timely manner. Um, we were able to fulfill orders on time. We had an, like an entire production run then um, that was completed in two weeks. And we we ma- we managed to fulfill most orders by Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. <clears throat> so it was hard, but I think you're always thrown into the deep end. And so what happened to that first box? <laughs> it showed up in March. Oh it my was gosh. sitting like at a customs bonded warehouse in the U.S. Oh, that's crazy. We had to pay like twelve thousand dollars to get it out of there. In oh, addition wow. to like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a crazy time. <laughs> and then what was a high point? Something maybe was the first time it felt like, oh yeah, okay, we might have a success here. We might be doing this for a reason, or something that really felt like, okay, you know, the business is going to be going in the right direction now. Um, I think it's something smaller, but it was definitely when I was walking in Toronto one day and I saw a girl wearing one of our totes Mm -hmm. and I ran up to her and I literally cried because I was like, this is crazy. Like (laughs) it's you, you think that, yeah, you're making these bags and there's a lot of them shipping, but to see it in person in real life. And she was like, yeah, I love your bags. I wear this one every day. I I have three more. Um, and that was just really, really Mm. nice. So who's your client? Who's the, the woman that buys or the, the person that buys um, bags? When, I, when we design bags, um, I really design what I feel like I need and what I feel like is lacking in the market for me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would say that it's for someone who is minimalist, who really values just simplicity and, the, and understands that there is elegance in simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that cares about where the materials are coming from, what their bag is made of, what their closet is made of, mm-hmm. and who wants to be proud of what they wear. Mm-hmm. That's a good description. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me about growing as an entrepreneur. And we had a quick chat just before we started the interview, and you were talking about the big, the next big chapter for mm-hmm. your company, basically. And um, it's something I want to talk about because a lot of our listeners are women entrepreneurs and they all face, we all face similar challenges. Mm-hmm. And what is the next big step in your chapter and how are you going to get the tools to be able to move to that next step? Well, so over the last two years, well, we just passed our two-year anniversary and over the past two years, it's just been about us staying lean, um, us really trying to get through um whatever we need to with that with the least amount of resources possible Mm -hmm. and so that meant that we were wearing many hats um we just brought on two more people onto the team Mm -hmm. we're hiring two more and so up until up until like a year and a half uh, the year year and a half point it was just me working on it alone right and so that meant like figuring out our warehouse getting to customers um uh, the, like just the social media strategy, the email marketing, the product design. Mm-hmm. And over the last six months, we've grown so much. And now it's about moving from being the person who does everything to being the person who empowers other people to right. do it. Right. And so that's the transition that we're in now. And it's something that I'm still learning how to do. Um, moving from kind of like the founder to the CEO. Mm-hmm. Right. And... I think that it's an exciting year ahead where I think I'm going to learn a lot and 
I want to be like a sponge, so just mm-hmm. absorb everything that I can and really motivate people to be on this journey with us and mm-hmm. keep working towards this vision of a world where fashion can be better. Mm-hmm. And actually, I love that statement and I want to come back on that for a second um, because you've built the business around that concept of helping make a difference. So if we are going to wear bags, well, they shouldn't have a negative mm-hmm. impact on the environment. And um, what do you think the fashion industry needs to address? You're doing your part with your company. Um, fashion is a highly destructive uh, business um, from a social standpoint, environmental standpoint. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of waste created, period. Um, what are some solutions that you think um, other fashion companies should be considering to help make a difference? Um, I think the one thing that we're doing really well right now is we don't go into large production runs. So when we launch a product, it's usually with like 100 pieces or 150 pieces. And in the first day or two, you can really see how customers are responding to that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure bigger brands have even more of an ability to see how people respond. And so really trying to be a data-driven company and like driving into what what people like Mm -hmm. and getting feedback and responding to that in an efficient way right um so we never order like ten thousand yards of material if we don't need it right we just order what we need Mm -hmm. and even if it takes a bit longer to get to customers most people understand Mm. um the second thing is like we visit every factory that we work with um twice a year sometimes Mm And where, I think this where are is, your, your factories right so, now? So, right, my goal is to move production entirely to Kenya, where yeah. I grew up. Okay. Um, right now, we work with factories in Asia that work with brands like Lululemon, um, called Gaia. So, brands mm. that we really look up to. Right. Um, one of the factories we work with is an entire female-led factory, female-run, and just employs working moms. Mm-hmm. I um, like that. So, we love that. Um, we love that it's so female-centric mm-hmm. and... Yeah, I think we're just really close to our supply chain. Um, we're, we have really tight relationships with everyone we work with. And then the third is just using better materials and really always being on the lookout for the new innovations mm. that are coming out, right. the, how we can be different, how we can be better. Um, and also just really responding to what our customers want. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think it's easy to say, let's let's design this or let's produce this. But what we really do is customers email us every day being like, we have an email going out, which asks for feedback and Mm -hmm. and what their dream bag would be made of. And we get emails like 10 or 20 emails every day. And so we have a whole database now of what the ideal women's bag would be. That's amazing. And so we just, we just refer to that whenever we want to design a bag now and we just make it based on what our customers want. Right. And so that really helps reduce waste, reduce um, just extra inventory piles lying on the side. Whatever we have, we sell out of. And mm. we, we don't have any hesitation in terms of knowing that our entire collection, that it's never going to be sitting mm-hmm. um, unsold. Right, right. So that's yeah. something that we're, we really pride ourselves in. No, that's really smart. What would your top advice be to a young woman considering starting her own business in the fashion world? I think it's just to just go for it. I think a lot of times um, we wait for all the legalities to be in place and um, the business account to be set up properly and just to have like your trademark right or your copyright um, 
all mm-hmm. set up and I think sometimes you just have to dive into it and yeah. figure it out as you go because the more things you wait for the more time you'll take to get there mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's just you just have to do it mm-hmm. and don't listen to all the critiques and if just follow what you believe is right and don't ever give up that's good advice <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite questions to ask yes on the show is uh, what do you wish women would do more of um, I wish they would just follow what they believe in mm-hmm. and never taking no for an answer mm-hmm. because there's always a way to make things work. Um, and I think the definition or what leads people to success is just not giving up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to just keep going and to just be relentless in the pursuit of what they're looking for. And given that um, it's the year 2020, um, <laughs> what are things that you are setting as goals for you to do more of in the new year? Um, it's definitely to take more time for myself, um, to find a hobby that I love. And I think it's something I'm trying to figure out in terms of balance and mm-hmm. Again, going back to the whole idea of balance amongst women and is there balance? Um, I do think that I should be taking more time to just focus on myself a little more and and having patience in terms of the growth of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also hiring a team, um, surrounding ourselves with more women that we look up to um, in terms of advisors, in terms of mentors. Um, maybe even like investors um and just bringing people onto the team that really and finding those people that really resonate with our values Mm -hmm. is there and in closing is there a quote or a saying that you find yourself repeating maybe just in your head maybe it's to others uh you know an expression that you you say over and over again that would be your signature um, I think it's definitely something my mom used to say all the time, which is just keep shining. Mm-hmm. I have it tattooed on me too. Oh, I love that. In her handwriting. Um, oh, and amazing. so, yeah, it's just wherever you go, just shine. And whether it's like through kindness, um, through just helping other people, creating impact in the world, I think you should just leave the world brighter wherever you go. And I think that's definitely what we're trying to do with Samara too, just just really make the world better and make people happy and produce things that people love and in a, in a way that just creates impact in the most positive way. So, yeah. Love that. That's <laughs> the best, uh, the best expression, the best saying I love that you have attached. Well, thank you so much, Samra. Salima. I was going to call you Samra. It's okay. Everyone calls me that. Samra is my sister's name, actually. I so remember that. It exactly. works out. Yeah. Uh, best of luck with all the projects that you have ahead. And I can't wait to see uh, the new collections and the Apple leather. And I'll, I'll be getting one of those. So Thank you so much for having me. It's my such pleasure. an honor to be here. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on the podcast app of your choice. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for their support of The Brand is Female. If you are a woman entrepreneur, check out TD Services and find out how you can benefit from their support. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo to find out how. I'll be back in a week with a new guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening today. <laughs>